when the Ravens won the coin toss and elected to receive the first half kick, something seemed up. Well, someone call the vet, because the Lions are cowering in the back of their cages this week on Pod Like a Raven. This team wanted the ball first, made a statement, and then kept punching. I am Antonio Barbera. Welcome to the limelight, Ravens. They, you are the toast of every morning show, podcast, roundtable, whatever. You, you have been crowned a Super Bowl contender after demolishing the quote-unquote best team in the NFC in a major spotlight game. And we here on Pod Like a Raven are going to discuss all of those things. Let me bring in my co-host, starting with Jace Evans. Jace, uh, my dad texts me once uh, once a year, maybe twice a year, depending on the Raven season. And he uses the same old man expression for this type of game. And he says, it's nice to have a rocking chair game every once in a while. And uh, boy, was this a rocking chair game for the Ravens. Yeah, this was this was frankly shocking in in many ways, in a good way. I, I just uh, you know, I I think I said on the show I thought the Ravens were going to find a way to win this game. I did not see just the demolition of a previously very good team that uh, that we got on Sunday. My uh, my aunt's in town uh, this week visiting, and uh, she was watching the game with my parents. And my mom told her, she said, "This is not the team we've been watching all season," uh, and that's true. Uh, this was. What I think we hoped we could be, and, you know, Patrick Ricardi tweeted this. He said, uh, just after the game, this is what the 2023 Ravens can do. And that's very exciting. But can they keep doing it? That's going to be the million-dollar question. If they can, they might win the Super Bowl. We'll see. <laughs> but that's uh, obviously a big question to answer over many weeks and months to come. But, uh yeah, I mean, I think we saw on Sunday the ceiling of this team. Obviously, they're not going to play this good every single week. But, I mean, holy smokes, this is this is what you envision. This is what you dream of when they bring in all these pieces and do all these changes in the offseason. This is what you want to see. And it was, frankly, shades of 2019. It was just, it, it was really impressive. And I enjoyed it a lot. It was great. It was it was nice to have yeah, a stress-free second uh second quarter really third quarter fourth quarter how much they just jumped on them and pummeled them in this game and tim horsey tim i'm i'm gonna take a wild leap and say that you have a more conservative uh thought process for the the rest of the season uh but at least it was nice it was nice to have it for one three-hour window on sunday afternoon i'll say this um it was super fun <clears throat> i really really enjoyed it um I certainly hope it's not an anomaly, although I kind of reasonably think it might be a little <laughs> bit, you know, in all three phases of the, well, two phases. I, I, when we get to intangibles, I do want to rant a little bit about kickoffs, but that's, that's I'm not going to, I'm not going to start negative. I'm not going to do it. Um, I'll say this without going into too much detail before we can add, you know, as we really flesh this thing out, I think the best part for me was seeing the Ravens not completely melt after a justice hill fumble um it was pure domination from start to finish and same old ravens sor could have crumbled in that moment and made it way too competitive probably still won the game but made it like a 14 point game that we're all really upset about they didn't do that and man it was it was a lot of fun um to to 
to be a Ravens fan on Sunday, and particularly with the stars showing out, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson and the like. Um, yeah, I can't wait to talk about it, man. It was the most fun we've had probably in two seasons uh, watching this team in terms of just relaxing and enjoying it. So, yeah, let's, let's dive in. I think it was Jace, and I think he mentioned it on air. I could be wrong about both of those things, but I believe last week we were talking about the Ravens at home. And, Jace, you brought up the Chargers at Ravens game from a few seasons ago, and it was a very similar scenario to this game coming in. It was two good teams. Uh, the Chargers at the time, I think, were 4-1. and one. Uh, The Ravens were 4-1, and one, and it was this battle of, of top teams early in the season. It was in Baltimore. And a team that we thought was going to scare us in the Chargers actually really never showed up. And the Ravens just demolished them from the first drive, won that game 34-6. It was even better than that in this scenario with this, uh, you know, matchup of, I'm not going to say Super Bowl preview, but two teams with good records playing pretty good football and the Lions being this, they've looked very, very good for a month now. Can they prove it on the road against a good football team? And they could not. Um, (laughs) We are going to talk... Uh, offense and then defense this episode because I think that's kind of how just kind of the best way to to approach this particular game and let's start with the offense I mean just awards for everyone basically Lamar Todd Munkin skill position offensive line we now know very very clearly what this offensive system's peak is they had six straight drives not including a kneel down at the end of the first half of offensive domination, spreading things out. And Greg Olson mentioned that a a few times on the broadcast about the difference between um, Munkin and Greg Roman. With Greg Roman, I think Olson's line was um, playing in a phone booth as opposed to Munkin, who stretches things out vertically and horizontally, letting Lamar scan the field, take off if there's nothing there, and... This small thing that ended up producing massive results in this game, leaving him an emergency outlet if things break down. Uh, And my goodness, was that effective for some ridiculously monstrous gains. This is just an overarching uh, overarching thing, but uh, I want to hear your guys' overall thoughts on uh, the Ravens offensively, because there is a lot of things to choose from. Yeah, it's funny. I think uh, just... Flying down the field on that on that first possession, I was just as we were talking, I was uh, scrolling through the text thread, and Tim, you had said a very funny thing. So fourth and one, opening drive, uh, they obviously they run a great play and they get in the end zone and it sets the tone for the game. Tim texted us that fourth down decided the game. If we don't get it, we lose, which may be extreme in hindsight, but I, I don't dis- I, I don't disagree. Like. I, that does feel like, in hindsight, that the fourth down did decide the game. It was just such a statement. And with Ronnie Stanley uh, doing his self-described Marshall Yonda impression, just driving his blocker eight yards out of bounds and somehow not getting a penalty for it, uh, it was just it was just such a good play. Uh, you know, Lamar has an amazing throw to Zay Flowers, which was nice to see on that drive. And, and they just, you know, motor down. And, and to just punch that in right away, especially after all the short yardage problems we had, uh, last week and against the Steelers too um, a few weeks ago to, to just kind of to do all that uh, it, it was just really a, a, a statement and I love that play too just like creativity I guess and like the play is like 
you get a one-on-one matchup basically running behind your best offensive lineman with your star running quarterback. It was just such a good play. And I, I think just like such a perfect way uh, to get the game going. And yeah, they just didn't stop from there. It was just, it was just building on that. Like every per- drive pretty much. Yeah. The creativity from Todd Munkin, I think was um, stellar, you know, nothing <clears throat> looked the same that, that touchdown play on the fourth and one where it's basically you use your tackle as the lead blocker when that's usually like a right guard coming around from the left side. Instead, they he fakes like it's pass pro and then basically does a swing out to absolutely murder a defensive back. Um, <laughs> little stuff like that. The the multiple amount, whether it was Todd Munkin or even Lamar Jackson, I think it was early on in the game, it was an RPO pass to Odell Beckham Jr. where in, in a Greg Roman type offense, it's a very typical RPO, okay, uh, defensive end crashes, so Lamar's going to take it and probably get four yards and get smoked by a linebacker. They knew that, so they covered the running back, then they covered Lamar Jackson effectively, and there was a third option there. It, 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 sort of in the way that Antonio was talking about this safety net. And so I thought that the creativity from Todd, Todd Munkin um, giving Lamar all of these options, Lamar was very careful with the ball too. And speaking of him, Lamar Jackson was balling on, on Sunday. Holy hell. Uh, being able to credit to the offensive line, pretty much dealing with the pass rush from the Lions all day. But Lamar constantly keeping his eyes down the field, using his legs when he had to and was incredibly dangerous that way. But more so using them in a way to escape pressure, reset, find another option and, and make a play. It was and not just plays over the middle of the field. Plays to the outside of the numbers. There was a Zay Flowers throw that he that he whipped over to the to the left side. Um, you know that I think rightly so. The biggest criticism for Lamar Jackson has usually been the outside the numbers throwing. It was not a problem on Sunday. He was insane. Um, the amount of times that you know an Aiden Hutchinson like um, who I mean, talk about a tryhard, but uh, we don't have to do that now. Um, <laughs> You know, the pocket collapses, and we've seen a number of times pocket collapses and Lamar tries to, like, squeeze out of it and just ends up being a sack. I think there was, like, four of them against the Steelers a couple weeks ago, uh, or at least that's just what my mind has in in, in the memory bank now. Um, That never happened. Every time he was able to get out of the pocket, and he didn't get out and panic and and scramble or throw into triple coverage or, you know, make a fumble with a guy coming on the back end. All these things that we have seen. He got rid of all the negatives of this kind of extending plays that can come and really only had the positives. And he was accurate. He was dangerous. Throws all sorts of different throws. The running ability, which everybody knows is there. I was so impressed with Lamar Jackson, and I thought he was stunning. In a word, stunning. I I don't think – I think he could play that good again this season. I don't think he's ever going to top what he did uh, in this game against the Lions, because it was just, it was it was fantastic. It was remarkable. It it might be like the best game he's ever played. It might be. I think yeah, <laughs> like be. just from like uh, he was. You said dialed in. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Twenty one to twenty seven, three fifty seven, three touchdowns, add thirty six yards on the ground, another TD. He was remarkable. And just to speak to what you were talking about, Tim, with like uh, the that the second touchdown to Nelson Aguilar was just. Uh, 
like, I don't know how you defend that. <laughs> it's like a defensive back. Like, this guy's just scrambling around but keeping his eyes It was Ben Roethlisberger, man. And, uh, it was yeah. Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's moving his feet, but he runs to the right, and then he's, like, scrambling back left, <laughs> like, backpedaling and just finds the open space. It was incredible. He was, yeah, I, I think this was about as good as he's ever played, certainly. And, uh, yeah, I, you hope it could – I probably won't be at exactly that level, but – he, I mean, he's just so talented when he's locked in. Like, I don't. It's hard to imagine there's too many better quarterbacks in the league when he plays like this. Certainly, but but the thing that the thing that encourages you just quickly on that is it's it's the melding of his abilities with the fact that the Todd Munkin Lamar Jackson relationship looks like it's really clicking. I mean, it clicked into high gear against this Lions team who admittedly does have a relatively suspect pass defense like that's kind of been one of the the weaknesses of this team uh for for how great they've been but it look it looks like those minds have melted together and if if it keeps getting better there's going to be bad games there's going to be turnovers that we will lament and and you know bitch about on this show over and over and over again i'm sure but if those two are in simpatico we've we might have something special here with this offense coming off of the Titans game where the big issue was not being able to execute first of all in the red zone and then in short yardage situations and then not even trying short yardage situations on fourth downs. I don't know. You can't tell me that a lot of these plays that they ran against the lions, they didn't have in their back pocket against the Titans, but chose not to use because they wanted them in bigger moments against tougher opponents. They will never say that, and I won't believe them because <laughs> I don't believe they installed all of the plays that I'm about to go through in one week, but they sure didn't try them against Tennessee. They had a lot of just up the gut on third and ones, <laughs> whereas in this game, first of all, went going for it on fourth down on that first drive as opposed to kicking a field goal in the very similar scenario against the Titans. They go for it, and they have that great play that you guys both laid out, the Lamar rollout. Um that we don't see very often, him running a bootleg like that. They had the fake Lamar design run to the right that then becomes a throw to Mark Andrews in the sidelines. They tried that last, I think it was against the Saints last year, and it worked. Ran it again, and it worked again this time when they were pretty <laughs> um, pretty close to the... If, if they weren't in the red zone already, they were very close to it. Um, and then later on, they lined up Ronnie Stanley as a tight end on the right side, Hell for a yeah. goal line run to the right, which, first of all, if Ronnie Stanley is lining up as a tight end on the right side, that's where the ball is going. It was pretty <laughs> hilarious that they didn't seem prepared for that, but none of these plays, you know, were were used. Uh, it seemed much more vanilla to me in the short yardage spots against the Titans, that all of a sudden all this uh, these fun, <laughs> well-designed plays came out. Um, and that's another aspect of this, is that the majority of this game was not like um, amazing plays or players making plays that they'd never made in their lives or Lamar Jackson running for his life and then throwing across his body to the other side of the field where it's tipped and then caught by Mark Andrews or wow, Justice Hill has never run for 200 yards before. <laughs> it was just regular execution over and over and over again. And that's the interesting part of this. That's the part that's you can replicate in theory, week in and week out. It doesn't have to just be, well, he just we just need the Lamar heat check game. It wasn't even that from Lamar. He was just 
on and consistent and hitting wide receivers in stride as the play was developed, making things work outside of the pocket when necessary. But, boy, it was just uh, the cliche of a well-oiled machine just running up and down the field and finished with 500 yards of total offense for the Ravens after four In a game they didn't even try, really, in the last quarter and a half (laughs) of this game, and they still generated 500 yards of offense. So, boy, a lot of good things to like there. And then the running game, Tim. The running game that we had maybe some concerns about, but looks looks pretty good uh, after, after a home game against the Lions. Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest... The, obviously, the biggest storyline outside of, you know, after Lamar got paid um, for the Ravens was, what is Todd Munkin going to do? Is it going to be a complete revamp? Are they really going to try and rip out, you know, rip the thing down to the studs and rebuild it completely? Are they going to do the Jameis Winston 30 touchdown, 30 interception, 5,000 yards thing where it's just all over the park? Um, are, are there going to be any aspects of the of the Greg Roman running game? The The good parts that they're going to try and keep in. And, and I think Greg Olson even mentioned it on the, on the broadcast. By the way, what a delight to have Burkhart and Olson on a game. I mean, just we don't get it a lot because we don't get a lot of Fox games, especially, you know, big Fox, A-team a Fox. I, I, I love I love those two. I think they're fantastic. And, yeah, Tom Brady, continue to be an owner. Do not take Greg Olson's spot. <laughs> um, I, he, Greg Olson mentioned something on the podcast – or the podcast, Jesus um, – on the broadcast that I thought was interesting of – Todd Munkin kind of said, like, look, I don't want to take away the aspects of this offense that we're working. And that is the run game. And I thought it was incredibly effective. You know, we have been lamenting the amount of t- time that Justice Hill is getting. And I think the, the the fan was thinking, well, he wants more of a scat back type of guy, a J.K. Dobbins more like, and obviously with no Dobbins. Justice Hill is going to get a majority of that time. Hill fumbling doesn't, you know, help his case to be on the field more, of course. But... I think the amount that Gus Edwards and Patrick Ricard were involved, uh, by the way, nobody's mentioned the best play of the day, which is Patrick Ricard going, oh, my God, I have 25 (laughs) yards of open field. I need to get moving. Big boy's got to – the train's got to keep rolling. Um, It it was just really nice to see the run game also be incredibly effective. And I'm not talking about, you know, obviously the the two big plays, that play and the the big Gus play were in the passing game. I'm not – but I'm not even referencing those and getting the running backs involved. It's the four yards a clip. It's the making first and ten, second and four. It's it's that type of stuff that the Ravens were so, so good at in the Greg Roman era, but then couldn't add all the other stuff. And I think that that still being a part of this offense and being a, a part that, as Antonio so rightly put, a well-executed part of this offense is only going to ease pressure on Lamar to be able to do his thing in the passing game with all the weapons he has. So... You know, it was just a small thing that I noticed, and you're trying to highlight all the great stuff to talk about on the on the <laughs> following record uh, that we do here on Pilot like Raven, and it was just something that really came that sparked my interest and kind of you know drew my attention of like, man, Gus is still just getting five yards a clip. He's still just getting four yards right in between the tackles. Oh my God, why did they give it to Justice Hill again? No, I'm kidding. Uh, but it, it just, you know, it, I, I, was, I was very, very impressed. And it's good to see. And it's, uh, look, it's an element of this offense that needs to be there in January. We'll talk about the Miami Dolphins later. All the sexy plays don't work when it's 35 degrees and piss and rain in Cincinnati. Like, you need to be able to run the football effectively. And it was nice to see that they could do that. Yeah, I mean, it's still the best way to, you know, bleed clock in this league uh, for the most part. And, like, that's why I was, 
Even, even as, <laughs> I guess just to touch on that fumble, that, that was still annoyed me a little bit. It was oh just God, a little so bit of, of, you're up 28 to nothing. The Lions had what, uh, one, one drive where they'd gotten yards to this point. They had, they'd just come off a turnover on downs. You're moving the ball again. You're basically at a point where you're like, we scored a touchdown here that Lamar might not even play the second half. That's like how, how much they're dominating. And then, then just that fumble happens and you go, I, the, that feeling of here, here we go again, I got was disgusting to me. And I give them credit and we'll talk about the defense for squelching any inkling of a comeback. Uh, but I'm mad at this team still slightly, even despite how dominant that was, just for even making me feel that for half a second uh, <laughs> in the aftermath of that fumble. I shouldn't have to worry about these things up 28 to nothing, but and we should be 7 to 0. That's the other thing. <laughs> Small thing. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I leave this. Uh, I leave this game seeing, you know, seeing our our the team, you know, rightfully praised this week, but it's also like. Man, I wish we had that number one seed in the AFC currently. That'd be nice. <laughs> Instead of all our division mates half a game back. But, you know, what can you do? Uh, um, so that was, uh, there's my two seconds of negative. That's the only negative I have to say. But the defense, you know, they stepped up huge. Uh, the running game, they they were chipping away otherwise, bleeding clock. And, uh, yeah, it was a low-stress affair thanks to, I mean, the lead they gave us and then what like what the defense did and the running game did. It's good to have. It's good to have one uh, glaring mistake that proves they're <laughs> still human beings and that there's still stuff to work on uh, and and film to to sort of get chewed out on by the assistant coaches. Lamar being legitimately ticked off oh. uh, in a blowout, I is something that I enjoyed seeing. Um, shades of Tom Brady giving a random receiver the absolute death glare uh, after them lining up incorrectly in a 40 nothing game against the Jets. It like felt like that where they didn't say it about Lamar, but when Tom Brady played, they'd be like, wow, look at, look at Brady. He's up 40 to nothing. And yet he's still worrying about every X and O offensive. That's why he is who he is. Instead when it's Lamar, it's uh, he threw his helmet there. He had some words with justice. Hill. was <laughs> he's not happy on the sideline. Um, I guess you have to win, you know, seven Super Bowls, and then they change the narrative about you. But, I like that. I like that he was ticked off. That even in the press conference post game, they they I think they actually had to ask him why he didn't seem happy, and he still said like, "Well, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't exactly right, uh, and we still have to fix some things and not make mistakes." That's good. I like it, and I want him to keep this chip on his shoulder week in week out um, to try to keep some of the success going. Another group offensively that I want to talk about: the wide receivers. I have to give them their flowers uh, when they when they deserve it. Uh, bounce back game from Rashad Bateman. Not a ton of catches, not a ton of action, but two good catches. He, I think he did blame the sun uh, on one ball that kind of went through his hands late. So I'm, I'm, you know, I've been mean to him all season, so I'm gonna back off. Maybe it was the sun. You know, I, I played a pickup soccer game a couple days ago, and, and a guy kicked the ball to me, and the the glare of the stadium lights just got right in my eyes, and I misplayed it. So. Sure, maybe that's what happened to Bateman uh, on on that deep throw, but he had a, a pretty good game overall. Zay Flowers is every week becoming more and more of a legitimate number one. Beckham is looking healthy and getting more spring in his step. He's becoming a yak guy for this team, which is what we wanted at the time. He was like the third and seven guy. What, can he do that when we signed him? Um, he's turning slants into 20-yard gains. 
And then Nelson Aguilar as a fifth option after the receivers and Andrews. Him as a fifth option has to be one of the most like under-slotted assets in the league at this point in time. I, I feel like most teams' fifth option is some guy that they have stashed on the bench who's in a feud with the head coach or something like that. Like he's not a <laughs> legitimate player who can you know actually make touch, get touchdowns and first downs. What a turnaround! From last year, what a turnaround from the last 25 years of this franchise's existence. Um, it's in a legitimate strength of this team now is the depth and talent of the wide receivers seen in this game with how many of them caught major passes, had yards after the catch, had yards total. And the offense is rounding into form, guys. There's a lot to like. Anything else about the offense before we turn this to the other side of the ball? Yeah, just quickly uh, on that note, um, you know, Where's Devin DuVarnay? Like, that's how loaded this unit is. The Devin DuVarnay hasn't sniffed the offense this year, which is crazy. And then I'm sure you've seen this, but we have to, if you haven't seen it as, as a Ravens fan, just to make you happy that the Ravens may have drafted a true number one receiver in the first round, I think, you know, a great game from Bateman, I agree. You know, let's see it a couple more times. Let's see more of those and less outfits, you know what I mean? But um, this is coming from uh, Baltimore Beatdown wrote this, but it's been all over the place. This stat came across for old Zay Flowers. Zay's standout performance against the Lions on Sunday made him just the second uh, second rookie wide receiver since 1970 to have at least 50 scrimmage yards in each of his first seven games. 50 scrimmage yards in each of his first seven games. The first was Jamar Chase. Uh, in 2021 so this is the only two guys since 1970 to have 50 or more scrimmage yards in the first seven games zay flowers a a you know the, the nickname that lamar gave him he's a human joystick he is incredible to watch i'm so glad he's on my team um and yeah we'll get to it later in the show let's not rest on our laurels offense you know let's let's continue to be creative let's manage the game well let's not turn the ball over which i think is the biggest one for me and um and yeah we could be seeing special things with the offense yeah cosine uh try to try to duplicate it maybe it won't look exactly like this every week i mean this was just absurd but yeah it's as good as they've looked on this side of the ball in several years it's been quite a while so that was nice to see when uh you have guys like gus edwards making 80-yard catch-and-runs, uh, you know things are going well for, for your offense. Let's turn now to the defense because, boy, this wasn't a one-sided affair, fellas. This was not a shootout that the Ravens won because they were able to be efficient and score touchdowns. The Ravens were scoring points on every possession, and then they were giving up nothing on defense <laughs> every single possession over and over and over again. Tim Horsey, please break down this defensive <laughs> performance for us. My goodness. I mean, um, I'll just say this. I'll get the negative out of the way first. Um, let's just make Mike McDonald the coach in waiting right now. He's just the coach <laughs> in waiting. Whenever Harbaugh leaves, he will take over. He does not need to go anywhere else. Back away, bad teams uh, who need coaches. Back away, Denver Broncos. Back away, Washington Commanders. No, he is ours, and I want him to stay here. Mike McDonald's defense it's just absolutely freaking incredible. Here are some notes from Bill Barnwell who uh, from ESPN who has gathered some, some statistics for you. And let's get these out of the way. Uh, and, and just kind of notes here. The Ravens defense forced three three and outs. Three three and outs 
in the Lions' first three drives. If you were watching this game, you saw all the stats. It was like a million yards to zero yards and, and just all this ridiculous stuff. And then held them on downs in the, in the next series. By the time Detroit got the ball for its fifth drive, it was 28 to nothing. And the game was all but over. Uh, I'll, I'll just add Jace's note here. At that point in time, it was 325 yards to 13 yards for the Detroit Lions. The offense was rolling and the defense was responding. Both sides of the ball playing at the same time. It's ridiculous. The uh, Ravens defense now leads the NFL in allowing a mere 1.1 points per possession. One Tim, is that good? Point one. 0. 0.0 Blutowski or Blutowski <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah, that, that butchered that Animal House reference. The Ravens are doing this, by the way. Despite only having seven takeaways in seven games, four picks for Geno Stone, which is the, the, the most hilarious stat out of all of this. <laughs> so it's not like they're getting the ball back and turning the ball over. They're just knocking offenses off the field with sheer brutality and force. Um, they, they're facing 11.4 drives per game. Again, almost 11 points or 11 drives per game they're facing, and it's averaging 1.1 point given up Per drive, It's the ninth heaviest workload for a defense in the National Football League. They're allowing fewer than one point per possession on drives that start in the opponent's end of the field. So when the opponent doesn't have a short field, they ain't scoring. It's just not happening well, with Roquan Smith and the lads there. Um, that is, they also rank number one in that field. Um, and, and again, they, they don't turn the ball over really, which is something that we, you know, we could talk about. Um, and in the, in the red zone, and I will stop boring you with this. The Ravens offense or the Ravens defense have allowed opposing offenses to score four touchdowns on 17 trips inside the 20. Four <laughs> touchdowns on 17 points inside the 20. Keep telling me that Cleveland defense is good. A mark topped only by the Buccaneers this season. What Mike McDonald has done with this defense, what Roquan Smith has done to transform this defense, all on T Sizzle Day, by the way. It's just <laughs> magical. Um, it's outstanding. It's it's absolutely outstanding. For as much, and this is this is this is pure my, me and the kind of football I like and what I gravitate towards. I texted it to the guys in the moment, and I stand by it. Roquan Smith is the most fun I've had watching a Raven since Ed Reed, and it's my man is out for blood every single time he makes a tackle. I'm here for it, um, especially in today's NFL. Justin Matabike. I would try and back the Brinks truck up, but I know that they don't really have a Brinks truck anymore because Lamar Jackson has the Brinks truck. That man is a force <laughs> on the interior of the defensive line. Jadavion Clowney and Kyle Van Noy actually like maybe have hit as aging pass rushers that the Ravens have signed. Arthur Millette played really well as a cornerback in the back end. Geno Stone, like I said, is fourth pick of the year which is Jace so rightfully puts in the notes here, leads the National Football League in interceptions. It's all coming up Ravens on the defensive side of the ball. They are this, – this Lions offense is, is fantastic. Ben Johnson is one of these guys who is supposed to get a head coaching job because of what he's done with Jared Goff. It was statistically on EPA per play, Jared Goff's worst game of his career. If you don't know about Jared Goff's career, he's had some pretty bad games. <laughs> and this was his worst one, according – I believe it was Steven Ruiz at the Athletic – or the, the Ringer, excuse me, had it. And I believe it was EPA per play. It was one of those stats that it was Jared Goff's worst <laughs> game of his career. And Ben Johnson is kind of, you know, 
revived him in this in this Detroit defense. And Mike McDonald said, I don't think so. This is our house. It is so nice to see a unit like that perform consistently over these first seven games. And as much praise as the offense got and deserved, I think the defense is getting left out to, you know, left hang out to dry a little bit because by no means was this a shootout. It was pure domination from the Ravens on offense and utter humiliation for the Lions offense by the Ravens defense. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because, like, with Lamar, the Ravens, I think, offense is always going to be in the spotlight from, I think, certainly from a national media perspective. Uh, but even, I think, with our fans, obviously, you know, there's the only jersey I have is a Lamar jersey. I bet there's more Lamar jerseys than any other. But uh, this team, yeah, since uh, with under McDonald and specifically since Roquan has you know they traded for Roquan I think you could argue Tim that like the Ravens are back to being a defensive football team as in like what they do best certainly like they're third in points last year ninth in yards first in points against second in yards right now they're one of the best defenses in the NFL uh and I think that's what can make this team special is if you know you have a top five quarterback and an offense that if they can get rolling with a defense that's playing as they as good as they have been like all year uh, and, you know, even the things we've been harping on, like, hand up, the Ravens lead the NFL in sacks <laughs> after our, all our complaining about not having, like, that, that stud pass rusher. And uh, I agree, you know, Matt BK already matching his career high for sacks in just seven games. He's going to get big paid. And I hope it's by us. I think more than any other, you know, there's some big free agents, namely uh, a few guys we've mentioned, him, uh, Geno Stone's a free agent, and Patrick Queen, all free agents after this season. But I think 92, if you can re-sign one, I think it has to be him. He's been magnificent this season in, in the middle. And it's just, it's become a strength. And yeah, like you said, to kind of, I think it's a good sign, like, that they're this stout without relying on turnovers because that speaks to the strength of your team that you're not relying on turnovers because that can kind of be a fickle thing sometimes you know sometimes a quarterback's just not going to put a ball <laughs> where you can pick it off or uh, the other team certainly doesn't put the ball on the ground as much as we do <laughs> and uh you know so um to, to just be this strong without relying on turnovers, it's just really impressive. And and I'm uh, 100% in agreement with you. I'm so worried McDonald is, you know, going to be, so especially after this week, but just on the short list for all these coaching just, interviews. Just tell him he's coaching waiting. Just <laughs> tell him he's coaching waiting. Yeah. Just, you're the guy. We're literally not going to hire anybody else. You are the dude. It ain't Todd Munkin. Like that, Todd's great in the OC role. <laughs> he's fine. Just t- He's 36. He's 36. I know, he's, that's the, what scares me. He's just, so young. He's what everyone's him. looking for. <laughs> just tell him, you're here when Harbaugh decides to finally kick the can, it, it, from a coaching perspective, and or you know we decide to part ways, what have you. You're the dude. You're, you're just the dude. You're just the dude. Just stay here. Just stay here. Organizational yeah. stability. Talent all over the field. Being the defensive coordinator when on the opposite side of the ball, you have Lamar Jackson, one of the most dynamic players in the league. I'm trying to sell him right now. Keep him in the building because... <laughs> What he has done and the scheme that he has made, the the team, they lead the league in sacks. And it's effing Jadavion Clowney and Kyle Van Noy <laughs> on the edge. And and Adafi Owe and, and sometimes David Ajabo is not there. Tyus Bowser's even there. 
Marlon Humphrey, Kyle Hamilton's getting three sacks a game because of what they're scheming up. You have to keep him in the building. It is vital. And I know we don't need to do this now because we need to focus on the game here. And this is an off-season conversation, I know. But, man, it was just – it was so impressive to see. And and you got to give him a lot of credit. When I see every smart person that I trust around the league just saying, um, you know, yeah, he's he's one of the dudes again. It, it makes me very worried. Um, but also, you know – He's getting the credit that he deserves, which I think is nice. Tim and Jace, uh, they're giving statistics and analysis about the defense, so I'm going to give some nonsense. Um, Ray Lewis was a man of sound bites. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, um, while also <laughs> being a Hall of Famer and good player. Uh, loved a good soundbite, and one of his best was the third down mid-tackle yelling get off the field that was one of his one of his great lines that he would yell out to the opposing offense as he was stopping them on third down and i have repeated that line excitedly the most this season than any other season and it speaks to exactly the stats that tim brought up at the beginning of this section they just get off the field they don't hang around they don't get a ton of turnovers like jace mentioned they do get sacks on second down to make third downs impossible. They get them on third down to end drives. They tackle so well. Do we remember? A couple <laughs> of, I think I still have the like nightmares about A.J. Brown and Dan Henry just breaking every tackle from every player that the Ravens could throw at them in a game at home that the Ravens lost in overtime. That hasn't happened. At least maybe once a game it'll happen, and that's it. And in both scenarios when it did happen... The Ravens were either blowing the team out or had a comfortable lead. If they could learn how to defend a screen, then, you know, they'd really be unstoppable. <laughs> but um, the tackling is sure. The schemes are well-designed. There's talent. I wouldn't say there's overflowing talent, at you know, from 1 to 11 in the starting lineup of this defense. But that's how you get a Geno Stone leading the league in interceptions, right? Is that he's not a super talented dude. It's worked out to him a couple times in a row where he is the result of the scheme working as it should, and he's in the right place at the right time to make to make make the play. Later in the year, in closer games, he better let that ball hit the ground on fourth on a fourth down hail mary throw, you know, <laughs> uh, to get the ball at midfield as opposed to on your own twenty. But in the moment, it was fine. It was a blowout. Um, but yeah, my goodness, is this team coming together in multiple? phases if they could figure out the special teams they'd really be uh really be unstoppable some penalties that we didn't like they they played around penalties offensively and defensively i feel like in this game they got into a couple of first and 20s second and 20s yeah. that Stanley they just then resolved different. immediately yeah. <laughs> that's Stanley not gonna happen two different in december and january <laughs> yeah so that that's well, something else to, to clean up but anything else guys from this game offense defense intangibles the bank t-sizzle uh, final thoughts on this amazing, just so sweet victory. Yeah, just a couple of things. Here's another stat stat thing for you, uh, even though Antonio's point is, is way better. Um, this comes from Aaron Schatz. DVOA is one of those, like, that's a really good thing. I don't really know what it means, but it's a really good <laughs> thing for the defense. So, you know, I, I trust it. Baltimore had 126.8% DVOA for yesterday's win over Detroit. You're going, Tim, you don't even know what that means. Why are you telling me? <laughs> That's now the best single game for this season and the number 14 best single game ever for a defense 
since 1981. Pretty good. Um, only other note, too, uh, it should be noted. It's been a while since there's been a game at the bank. The bank was loud. The bank was loud. The bank was into it. Even up 28 nothing. you know, when the fumble happened, they didn't really get murmury. It got loud again for the defense. And it's just, it was all good. It was all good to see. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that's all I got there. Yeah, you mentioned just shout out Terrell Suggs. Uh, a good reminder of how much I loved Terrell Suggs uh, this week, watching highlights and all that. Uh, great player. You know, not a surprise. He's in the ring of honor, obviously. He's probably one of the three best players, <laughs> four best players the franchise has ever had. But uh, um, he ruled, and yeah, this game ruled. I mean, to just kind of, you know, to have a bunch of Ravens luminaries in the building, uh, you know, that saw photos of Ray Lewis and Todd Heap, Jamal Lewis, a whole bunch of big-name guys from the past were on hand. And uh, uh, to just have a great game and, uh, yeah, loud stadium. Beautiful day, windy day. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they couldn't have played much better. So it was it – was, uh, Enjoyable game all around, and uh, I had a fun time watching it. <laughs> all right, let's turn now to the NFL, starting with the AFC North, where after the Ravens had one of the greatest wins in regular season franchise history, they made zero movement in terms of their standings. <laughs> uh, of course, the Steelers win. Uh, they are now 4-2 and two with a negative 24-point differential the Browns win a stupid game uh, against the Colts <laughs> that they tried to lose 800 different times. And the Bengals uh, had a bye week where they were able to rest Joe Burrow. So maybe the worst scenario possible uh, if you're a Ravens fan as the AFC North goes. But if the Ravens play like they did on Sunday, none of that will matter. Um, <laughs> I'm going to talk about a few other teams. Go ahead, Jace. Well, it's just, I didn't even watch a ton of these games uh, live. The Steelers one I saw the most of. Um, they're a bad team, and it's just so infuriating that every year they do this. They're not good. They're going to make the playoffs and probably beat someone in the playoffs. They just, it doesn't make sense. This isn't a good football team, and yet they're 4-2. You mentioned it. Yeah, that point differential's awful it doesn't make sense they're not a good football team and yet i i get i think mike tomlin's just one of the best coaches in the nfl i think that's kind of all it comes down to and they find ways to win and it's annoying and it sucks and i hate it um i'm less worried about the browns long term just because the weird the whatever the weird deshaun watson stuff everything that's going on with them and the quarterback stuff that's strange but the steelers are going to be a pain i'm sure we'll barely beat them or lose to them <laughs> a few whatever they play down the line here i hate it i hate that they're good again and they're not good they're a bad team but they have a good record and i just it, it's very annoying what a one of these years mike toblin isn't going to be their coach but it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere anytime soon so yeah that was that was a frustrating a frustrating to to be that high and then yeah the late window closes and you go well, we're now we're still up one game up and, and lost to the Steelers. And it's I hate it. I hate it. I hate the Steelers, and it's just so annoying. Uh, I could just I mean it's late October, so w don't make playoff predictions. But I can just see the Steelers at ten and seven, wild card at Jacksonville against like an eleven. <laughs> 11 and 6 Jacksonville team and everybody's like the Steelers will be winning this football game and then they absolutely win like an ugly game there um another team speaking of ugly that I want to talk about is <laughs> the Miami Dolphins because uh they're frauds 
They're officially frauds. Uh, <laughs> selling the wow. stock. Uh, big time frauds. And it's 100% because of how they let me down uh, from a gambling perspective. But they have five wins this season uh, against teams with the following records. These are their opponent records in the games they've won. Two and four, two and five, two and five, two and five, oh and six. They have two losses this season, and those two teams are four and three and six and one, and they lost both of those games by double digits, 14 uh, and 28 points, or 14 and 18 points, or 28 points, respectively. They got blown out twice by the only mediocre to good teams they've played, and they've won against literally all the terrible teams currently in the NFL. Fraud City, uh... And I don't know where they go from here. I, I'm very curious to see how their season continues because, sure, they'll keep beating bad teams. I would love to see them even be competitive uh, against a good team before I can take them seriously uh, as a playoff as a playoff contender. Well, the weird thing too, Antonio. So that that 28 point loss, I do believe it was 28 to the four and three team you mentioned is the Bills, who managed to lose on Sunday to the Patriots. So I feel like it like. Just completely, I don't know what to make of the AFC East, and really the AFC in general, <laughs> but it, it, it's very confusing. The Bills are a 4-3 and three team, and the Dolphins, like you said, they haven't, they've, they've been thoroughly outclassed in the two games they've played. I do think their offense can be good, but it's like, can it only be that good against the worst teams? That's like, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, they haven't proven it yet. We play them, right, this year? So late, we'll yeah, get late a, in the year. We'll get a crack at, at it with our defense. But um, I still don't want to play them, just given the weapons and what they did to the Ravens last season early in the year. Um, there is a lot of speed there. But, yeah, it's weird. The AFC is weird. The AFC East in particular is now very strange. And I guess that's the beauty of a long season. There's more time to play this out. But it's certainly... A trend developing. I'm not ready to call the Dolphins frauds personally yet, but there's a there's a solid trend developing there. I'm not going to deny that. There's definitely a the cults of the old Peyton Manning era, Peyton Manning era, where it's like, man, this regular season team, look out, and then all of a sudden you put them in cold weather against a stout defense, and one thing goes wrong, and then they're you know they never really win anything. It got got a little regular season dream team feel to it. Now, this is all reactionary coming off the week. I kind of agree with Jace. I think the AFC is very much a flavor of the week and who put, who put on and then the Chiefs will win the Super Bowl. Um, so it's, <laughs> yes. you know, obviously the flavor of the week right now is the Baltimore Ravens and to, you know, another extent, the, the Chiefs because they put on uh, a butt whoop into the Chargers. You want to talk about frauds, by the way. Stop <laughs> telling me that's a good team. And for all, for all the people out there, and I say this with, you know, so much respect because I mention it uh, in, as a positive all the time, the football nerds out there, who I trust and I, I like reading about reading their their pieces and listening to their podcasts and I learn stuff from them. We got to get off the Justin Herbert thing for a little bit. Like it, I know he's good. I know and I know the Chargers are cursed, but you got to got to win some of these football games, man. Like you you are supposed to be the dude and everybody wants to crown him, you know. They crown him, they crown their ass. Like they want to do that with Justin Herbert and you got to show me something a little bit more than that. But anyway, it it feels like the AFC is just going to be a flavor of the week. You know, I could definitely see next week Bengals off a bye, 
they surprise the 49ers and beat the 49ers and all of a sudden the the news cycle that week is Bengals back question mark um <laughs> No matter what anybody else does, you know, no matter what we do against the Cardinals and whatever the Chiefs do against whoever they face, what have you. So it, it's just one of those things where we all thought the AFC was going to be very, very good. I think the AFC is talented, but people aren't really executing to the level that they need to, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And maybe just defenses are better, too. Um, yeah, just quickly, just quickly on that before we go to some other games, you know, I think I'm I don't. I can't decide if the Dolphins are frauds or not. What I can decide is that one of the Dolphins or the Bills are absolute frauds. The Bills, <laughs> mi- the Bills might be in like this needs to significantly change mode. You know, their 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 cap situation isn't great. They've got a lot of older guys. They've missed on a lot of draft picks, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and they just have too many games where it's just brain farts and nothing going right and it's been like this for years so if i'm a bills fan i'm getting real concerned that the window already might be shut on this era of the josh allen bills now there could be certainly be a second era we're seeing this with kansas city kansas city has completely rebuilt themselves to the point where now it's like the offense showed up in this game but the offense wasn't really working so the defense shows up and patrick mahomes does patrick mahomes things and they're in like you know the post tyree kill era they're in like 2.0 mahomes chiefs I think the Bills still have that in their future because I think Josh Allen's an incredible quarterback. But if I'm a Bills fan, I'm worried. Something needs to change there because, you know, you're not competing at the top of the AFC if you're going to put in stinkers like this. Yeah, I mean. (sighs) (laughs) The point wasn't that good, guys. You don't have to be flummoxed by it. It was just a fine point. I mean, I just can't believe they lost that game. Like, that's, I think, what it comes down I'm to. I'm trying to stop like, myself from yelling, yeah, yelling into the microphone. Yeah, because I mean, I, I think decision yeah, we went awry. I assume we all lost money on this game. Didn't <laughs> touch it, didn't touch it by the way. Got, uh, got nervous. I certainly did. But, it, it, yeah, it, it's it's baffling. And combined with the Dolphins, I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of this division anymore. There's people trying to now talk themselves into the Jets again, which, I mean, I guess, thank God they had the week off. Because if the Jets won again and these two teams fell, it would be just an insufferable day on all the shows, I think. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I'm with you on the Chiefs, and uh, that's probably the game I actually watched the most on Sunday. And I'm 100% with you on the Chargers thing. That I mean, that... It's one of those things where you're like, I don't know what he could have done, but there was that deflected ball Herbert threw that got picked off in the red zone. And it was just like such a, of course, of course this happens to him and the Chargers. And it kind of feels like they're just like doomed to these sort of things. But, you know, it's also like, it doesn't have to be this way. You guys don't have to lose in the same way every time you play. And then there's like a defensive score. And I don't know. It's, I hate watching the Chargers. I think that's kind of my takeaway from from the weekend. Mahomes having over 300 yards uh, in the first half, that was annoying. I think I even joked about it in the group chat when we were talking about how good Lamar was and then Mahomes was actually on pace to throw for like 600 yards, settled for 400 and some. Uh, so, yeah, I, I as good as the Ravens looked, I do think I still default to Chiefs in the top spot in the AFC just because they're the champs until someone knocks them off. And as you said, Tim, their defense has improved. That's what's annoying, I think, is the Chiefs probably have the best defense they've had since Mahomes has been there. And he's still the best player in the NFL. So that's kind of my, I guess, sort of grander week seven NFL takeaway is I think 
it's still the Chiefs um, in the AFC, even despite how good we looked. And I think everyone else is, yeah, worse. <laughs> it's, we're worse than uh, we thought, maybe. I, I'm like a quarter of a, of a step behind you guys with the Chiefs just because of the opponent. The Chargers defense literally is like a, it's like running through a paper bag. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they don't cover. In man, in man, they can't stick to anybody. In zone, they just don't worry about Travis Kelsey. <laughs> they took him in. I mean, this is something it's been, they play that team twice a year, right? They know who Kelsey is. The league knows who Kelsey is, but they play them every year twice. And yet it somehow took them until the second half to double team Kelsey, and they had Romo did like the diagramming of it in this in the third quarter, where it's like, oh well, they've changed things up to where they're now bracketing Kelsey. Maybe do that from the beginning of the game. <laughs> it's the, it's crazy because you've played against him a bunch of times, and he's also the best tight end in football and has been for a very long time. Maybe just start the game bracketing the by far best weapon that the Chiefs have, and then adjust to that. If the Chiefs are picking you apart with the other stuff, then go into single coverage. But start the game by taking out the best weapon. It's not like he's he. There's a one A and one B on that team. It's one A, and then there's like it's like four is the next level of skill position talent that Mahomes is throwing to. So that made no sense. And then the the Herbert stuff offensively is he's very very good. He also kind of seems like like he can't dial it down he's at 10 all the time and he can't find like eight or seven when running an offense and even like even Lamar Jackson has figured this out comfortably to this point where he knows when to fire a ball in and he knows when to put some touch on a pass and actually give it a bit of loft and let his receiver run under it or in Bateman's case when he has to lob it to him to make sure that he catches it but that doesn't work yet (laughs) See, I had to come back to Bateman. Couldn't help myself. Herbert, it's just every ball. It's just it's just fastball, fastball, fastball. Mix a curveball in every once in a change up, dare I say. And he misses receivers because of it. Open guys. And he had that happen this week. He had that happen a few weeks ago. It's been a, an issue for him. And until he kind of can find that final like piece, I feel like he's never going to be uh, a guy that can carry as be- that bad offense that, that they have. So that they're in a tough place, and that's why for the Chiefs, I'm not so jacked up about them because uh, I, I think they were in, in third gear uh, a lot of that game against the Chargers and were still able to, to beat them by multiple scores. Anything else, guys? Any other game uh, in the NFL? I didn't watch a ton of Browns-Colts, so I can't talk about it, but I want to because it looked like it was bananas. <laughs> I caught it late. Bad penalties, terrible turnovers. Uh, the Browns' defense just giving up 8,000 points to Gardner Minshew. Am I missing something here? Uh, no, not really. I, it was very much – it was constantly on red zone, and then it was the only 1 o'clock game that was still on, so it was like mainly on red zone at the end. Um, a couple takeaways from this. The Deshaun Watson thing just keeps getting weirder and weirder. Um, he essentially like got had a hurt shoulder that he's had hurt for like a month now, apparently. Um, he also went into the – the blue tent for a concussion protocol after a hit on a diabolical interception that he threw <laughs> got clear, like through like five more passes or something. And the timeline here is a little bit screwed up. Cause again, I didn't watch the game in full, but essentially gets to the point where he looks like he's hurt and then gets cleared for the game and then doesn't come back in. 
and everybody looked like it, it was either the $234 million quarterback just didn't want to go back into the football game or the Browns didn't want the $234 million quarterback to go back into the football game. They came out and said all the right things afterwards. We were trying to protect him, yada, yada. He wanted to go back in, but I don't know, man. It It's something is off with that, that whole situation. Um, and, you know, maybe it's a bit of karma for Cleveland for doing that in the first place, and we'll leave it at that. Um, the second thing on that with the referee calls, uncatchable, like, if you're not going to call uncatchable, just throw it out of the rule book. It doesn't make sense. The, the Colts penalty that they got screwed on, the guy would have to be Mr. Fantastic to stretch out and actually <laughs> catch the football. Um, and he's not because that person is fi- uh, fake. And it just it, the uncatchable thing. It feels like they almost never call it. It's like 5% of the time they actually will pick up a flag to be like, yeah, that was just a bad throw. Sorry about it. Um, and I think that's incredibly infuriating. It's something that has to be looked at. It's something that's had to be looked at for a long time now. And, um, you know, it just hasn't. I will do one quick thing, uh, one quick uh, note here, just because there wasn't a ton of headlines from this. It feels like it anyway, outside of the Ravens being the headline, which is kind of crazy, and that's what we spend most of the time about. I would highly recommend to any of you um, who live with a significant other or, or, or have somebody in your life that has to bear with football with you uh, for a lot of the time, pick a random game in the 1 o'clock slot and ask them for their advice and then put 10 bucks on it, Moneyline. Um <laughs> My girlfriend Carly is two and zero in this category. Just I I didn't know what to do for Falcons Bucks, and I said, "What should I pick here?" She said, "Falcons," and I went, "Okay, money line." They were the underdog, <laughs> even though Arthur Smith didn't play Bajan Robinson, and apparently he had a migraine or something. Nice little win there for 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 us there. So just highly recommend. It's two and zero right now. It could go it could go terribly wrong later in the season. It could continue to be undefeated. It's probably better than most of my advice when it comes to gambling. Uh, you know, just recommend if you need that. Somebody in your life that maybe doesn't know football as much or doesn't obsess about it like you do, ask them because you know what? Those are the people that win the Mad- the March Madness tournament. Those are the people that win Super Bowl squares, even though that's kind of a game of chance anyway. Those are the people that win those type of things. So, you know, just a little, well, little bit of advice there for you. I think that's great advice, Tim, because I think it also speaks to just the nature of the NFL where yep. like it doesn't matter really. Like the Bills are just going to – lose to the Patriots who have looked like the worst team in the NFL for a month. Like <laughs> nothing in this league ever makes consistent make sense. sense. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I don't know if we want to jump, jump into what the Ravens are doing next week, but uh, I will not be surprised if they lose this game. <laughs> Let's get into it. Perfect. That makes no, it's no it's perfect fear to pivot into the Ravens. <laughs> Eight and a half point favorites at the uh, one in five. One and six. I should have had that written one, down. One and six. One and six. Even worse. Arizona Cardinals. Um, let me get to my notes here. Avoid the trap game. <laughs> avoid it. Really, that's it. Just avoid the trap game. This is a perfect test for this Ravens team. It's so perfectly placed on the schedule. After the best win of the season, toast of the NFL. Lamar Jackson, MVP candidate, the perfect test of this team's consistency. Can the Ravens carry over the offensive execution against a bad team? Can the defense continue to tackle well, get pressure, get off the field on third and fourth down? It's not even against a mediocre team. It's not even against a 3-3 three and three team where we would be saying the same stuff and just the Ravens are the better team. 
Can they execute? Can they do these things well? They'll win the football game. No. It's against a 1-6 football team that looked frisky the first few weeks of the year and has gotten blown out since. Um, and yet, Jace, you think the message is still the same. It, you don't feel any better uh, about it. Well, I, I, at this point, I just have to see it, I think, Antonio. Like, kind of... You know, I mentioned that Pat Ricard quote. This is what the 2023 Ravens can be. Can they be it consistently? And I think, you know, I'm not expecting them to go out and drop a bomb. As bad as the Cardinals are, and I don't think they're a good team, like, it's hard to just go on the road. You're playing 425, which the Ravens almost never play at. So I'm sure that'll somehow mess them up a little bit. And, uh... You know, it's uh, yeah, it's a 4 p.m. window start. I don't actually know if they're exactly 4:20. Yeah, they are 4:25 game. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's weird. It's your longest non-London trip uh, of the first half of the season, basically, right? They're, I know they go out west a few times later in the year, but um, yeah, I mean, just show up, show up and play your game. And I think it kind of speaks. We mentioned talking about Lamar. He he mentioned in the post game. That as good as that win was, it's one regular season game. It's worth one win. And as we talked about, all your division mates won. You need to just go and take care of business. I'm still not confident just because they've. I feel like they've failed at this spot already a few times this year. You know, at home against the Colts without Anthony Richardson uh, for starters. But... Yeah, I mean, if they show up, they'll win this game. Uh, <laughs> I think that's just the real challenge with them is, are they going to show up? I do think they will win. Uh, I don't know if this is a spoiler on my pick. I think it will be close, closer than it should. Um, just because I'm not ready to believe that this team can just consistently do it yet. They just haven't shown it to this point in the year. So if they show it, great. We could reassess. But for now, I definitely still have my concerns. I'm not going to belabor any points that you guys made. Uh, Jason and I are lockstep. Um, you can talk all you want about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in lockstep with Antonio. I love the Lamar attitude after the game. I love it. It's, it's a winning attitude. You have to want things to go perfectly. You know, John Harbaugh in the Monday press are even saying, like, every time that the Justice Hill fumble has happened, it's been a different reason on the mesh point on that that handoff between Lamar and Justice Hill it has to be perfect they understand this but you can talk all of that you can talk about it as much as you want um I need to see it I need to see another like you know 21 points 21 point lead with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter and and Tyler Huntley's warming up on the sidelines this is not an opponent you know I know you pay those guys too whatever this is not an opponent that should be giving you problems uh, Hollywood Brown revenge game? No, probably not. Um, I I just need to see it as well. Um, and I think that, you know, the Cardinals have been feisty, right? And there is this narrative in the NFL this year. The team that has gotten all the smoke blown up their butt really disappoint the following week. The Cardinals did this to the Cowboys just a few weeks ago when the Cowboys were the talk of the town after a big statement win. Um, I I just don't see it happening again. The Cardinals have kind of tailed off since that strong start. You know, getting the big lead on the Giants only to lose it, beating the beating the Cowboys. I don't. I think they're kind of in the tank mode. Kyler Murray isn't going to be back for this game yet. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like, don't don't let Josh Dobbs beat you guys. It shouldn't be that hard. Uh, don't let Buda Baker change the game with a turnover. Like, it shouldn't be that hard. But, you know. We will see, and as of right now, I just I don't trust it. I could see 
the Ravens uh, not meeting expectations this Sunday and being that team with the spotlight that didn't play well following their best game and still covering eight, eight and a half and still winning by 10 to 12 to 14 points. And it kind of is uglier and sloppier than it needed to be. This Cardinals team is bad, man. They are very bad. Josh Dobbs has eclipsed uh, 200 passing yards in just three of his seven starts. They were getting some good stuff from James Conner on the ground. He was averaging 5.4 yards per carry in the first five weeks. He's on IR. He will not be playing in this game. Hollywood is their I don't, their best player, <laughs> at least offensively. Um he will have a 13-yard completion uh, when the Ravens are up by two touchdowns, and he'll stare down the Ravens' <laughs> sideline as like a "look what you did" look. Um, yeah, we got Tyler Linderbaum, and, and they will all not. Yeah, they will all be yes, yes, we yes we did. Um, and I am I'm ready to get hurt again. Uh, you know, I'm I'm ready, so I will be taking the Ravens minus eight and a half in this game. I think they could play a three-quarter game and cover this line. If they play a full game, they will win by 25. Um, there's just no punch uh, they out of this Arizona team. And we have a... If this was just a season where the Ravens' offense had looked good and then inconsistent and then whatever, and the defense was just a run-of-the-mill defense, I'd be more concerned. But in this spot, we know the defense is going to show up. They've done that week in, week out. They will stop. Oh my gosh, I had the name of the Cardinals' backup running back because it's a good one. So I'll pull that up in a second. But oh, I have they, it here for you, Amari Amari Demarcado. Yeah, and that just sounds good. Um, an unproven player. They will stop the Cardinals on the ground. They're going to force Dobbs to beat them, as Tim mentioned, and he's going to get sacked a lot. That is what's going to happen on the defensive side of the of, of the ball here. I, 28-10, 28-13, 27-13, somewhere in there. Um, and I am taking the Ravens at, at minus 8.5. Guys, I'm curious to hear your Ravens pick and then the rest of your picks as well. Jace, you want to go first? Antonio, I think you've convinced me. Ravens minus 8.5. Oh, we are no. changing well, now, up. Now, it's, now we're doomed. Oh, no. <laughs> you fools! I, I know I've been saying for, I think, the better part of two, if not three weeks, I was going to say they were going to beat the Lions and then not cover the line against the Cardinals. But you're right. The Cardinals just aren't good. And I was like, my the path, I guess, the fear is a late backdoor cover because that's, that's where I see the line not getting covered. Because, like I said, I don't see a world... I mean, I guess I can't say I don't see a world because it is the NFL and weird things happen. Um, we could go back to fumbling it every time and not catching it. But um, it, the Ravens are just so much better than the Cardinals. Like, the Cardinals are a franchise that is, as you kind of said, trying to lose games. Kyler Murray's not back for this for this one. Their offensive line's bad. Uh, they, don't, they just don't have a lot going on for them. And, and I do think bad teams, when you kind of get in this slide, you sort of... It's it's hard to escape, and now now things have gone sideways. They're one and six. Um, you know, I think the Ravens probably it, you have to definitely bring the focus. But yeah, I'm with you. I, it is kind of hard to imagine them not winning by close to ten. So I will join you on the Ravens. I think it's the sensible thing. I'm trying to fight my own just uh, fears. I think uh, and and worries, but but rationally. Ravens minus eight and a half, I think, makes the most sense. So I will join you on that for our official uh, 
pod picks. The Ravens don't owe me a damn thing, but I still need to see it. <laughs> Cardinals plus eight and a half, um, and the Ravens win by eight probably, and and or they <laughs> win by ten, and I look like an idiot, and then I jump on um, when it's another big spread, and then they really lose it. I, <laughs> that's right. I don't know. It, it's it's personal me. It, it's me. Um, these guys made the right points. I'm a moron and a pessimist, and I'm going plus eight and a half. I'll just go quickly through the the rest of my picks here as well. Uh, two and one again last week. Lost the Ravens pick. Um, 12 and six on the year. So not too, too bad. Um, we'll see. I texted the guys this today, although my feelings have changed a little bit. But when I saw it, I said, I have a tease in here that I love so much that it's definitely going to lose. So that record is probably going to be diminished by a Ravens blowout and a tease getting screwed this week. But we'll see. Before the tease, though, I really struggled to find another pick. And as we record, we haven't seen the 49ers play on Monday Night Football um, you know, Chris McCaffrey is set to play. Devo Samuel is out. Who knows? But they're playing on Monday Night Football and then have to play a, the Bengals, who are on a bye. And the Bengals are getting six points right now, um, according to uh, FanDuel, which is the site that I use. I'm going to just take Bengals plus six, partly because of the rest. Partly I could see the Bengals even winning this game. as like they're the big statement winner. Like I mentioned earlier, that, that, that next week everybody's talking about the Bengals. And frankly, I didn't really like the rest of the board um, against the spread. So that's where I'm going to go here. And because I didn't like the rest of the spread, uh, the rest of the board against the spread, I'm going back to the tease well. I'm tempting fate here. I've been teasing too much. Timmy teaser too many times. Um, and it's, it's, it's worked out so far, but I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Here's what we're going to do. We talked about how they're bad, but the Bills minus one and a half at home to the Buccaneers on Thursday night football. Thursday night football, I'm taking the home team, the home team who is much more talented, the home team who does like to blow out bad teams. The Bucks are a bad team, by the way. Um, <laughs> Baker Mayfield did not practice or actually had a knee injury, it looked like, that he was he was a little bit questionable as well. I saw that on Twitter. Give me the Bills in a bounce-back spot, and I got them at minus 1.5 at home on Thursday night football. Same thing with the Chiefs. The Chiefs, minus 2.5 away to the Denver Broncos. Chiefs don't need to prove anything to anybody. But you know who Patrick Mahomes owns more than most of the NFL? It's the Denver Broncos. I'm pretty sure he's never lost to the Denver Broncos. He hasn't. In fact, uh, the Broncos have not beaten the Chiefs since 2015, Tim. Peyton Manning was their quarterback the last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs. And I'm getting the Chiefs minus two and a half. Thank you. I will take that as well. And then the last piece of this, I will admit um, this will be – got to put the minus sign in there for myself – this is Monday Night Football uh, next week, so I will have to report back in a couple of weeks to see how this actually worked. But it's the Lions in a bounce-back spot, teasing them down to minus one and a half at home to the Raiders. Bounce-back spot for the Lions. Primetime Lions wanting to show that they weren't that bad. And, uh, guys, the Raiders? The Raiders suck. And Josh McDaniels <laughs> is an incredibly, incredibly bad football coach. So there it is. Bills minus one and a half. Chiefs minus two and a half, excuse me. Lions minus one and a half for the T's. Tim, quickly, I have uh, some even better news for you. Oh. Kansas City is minus seven and a half right now. So you can you can knock that in at minus one and a half. I will do against that. Against the Denver Broncos. So Thank we, you let's very get much. that yeah, yeah, where it is. That's a nice a nice number. Um and so much so that I'm gonna jo- I'm gonna join you. Um but first, quickly, uh, you know, just hand up. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. I had my worst week of, of gambling in the history of Pod Like a Raven, really, uh, this past week. Lost my Ravens pick. No, no, uh, no faith in them. I lost my Browns minus two and a half 
on a failed two-point conversion, that if they get that, they would have covered that two and a half, didn't get it, whatever. And then I lost all three legs late in the fourth quarter in my lock of the year tease. So if you want to, um, you know, if you want to fade, if you want to avoid my picks this week, if you want to fade me, I understand. I get it. Um, it is, it's genuinely hard to do a three-team six-point tease and lose all three legs of a teaser. But I did it. Um, I, I, I managed. Nine and twelve on the year, so uh, it's time to bear down uh, and get some get some picks here. So I'm doing the Ravens minus eight and a half, of course, um, because that can't <laughs> that can't hurt me. And then a next one that's even worse than my Ravens pick, but I'm making it because it's just I've been staring at it for too long, um, and and quote unquote they can't keep getting away with this. I'm taking the Jacksonville Jaguars minus two and a half in Pittsburgh. Whoa. And I know I'm not oh, going to no. get a lot of support. Tom yes. is the home dog. What are you doing? Correct. I don't like um, that. <laughs> the Jags. I picked them at the start of the year to uh, as one of my overs in terms of wins to win the South. Um, they've won four games in a row. If I believe in them, they're going to beat this stupid Pittsburgh team that's 4-2 and two without being good at all. That's, that's all I'm looking at right now, and I'm getting it at less than a field goal. This can be a dumb game late where the Jags kick a winning field goal, and I cover. Jags should win by a touchdown. Um, Steelers can't really score on offense. Their defense <laughs> is, is, is mediocre. Again, they got a minus point differential. The Jags have figured things out uh, over the last month, and the Jags are playing uh, on long rest. They played on a Thursday, so they have 10 days uh, for this game as opposed to just a week. Um, and I, Yeah, and I hate this pick as I say it out loud, but I'm taking it. It's Jags minus two and a half um, at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then my teases have been terrible, so let's do another tease. Three team, <laughs> six points. I, I'm going with Tim for two of the legs. It's Chiefs minus one and a half. Lions minus one and a half. Come on. Um, and then if I believe in the Ravens at eight and a half, then this is easy. I'm putting them in the tease as well at minus two and a half. Less than a field goal against the Arizona Cardinals. Come on now. Um, so Ravens minus two and a half as the third leg of my three-team tease. And uh, let's get some wins. Yeah. Uh, I went somehow 3-0 and on the pod last week with my picks. I think that's my first 3-0 and week of the year. Uh, did not translate into making money in real life, um, impressively. That's but, gambling, uh, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm with Antonio on the Ravens minus eight and a half. And then I am going with the Eagles minus six and a half at the Washington Commanders. I know this game gets weird. Um, the Eagles didn't cover the last time they played just a few weeks ago. Game went to overtime. Washington probably should have won or could have won if Riverboat Ron went for two. He didn't. Uh, and the Eagles got bailed out. But I, I think the Eagles are starting to round into form a little more than they have been. And I think the Commanders are going the other way. As a team, I think, um, kind of adrift. You lose 14-7 to to the Giants on Sunday. Sam Howell is on pace to get sacked something like 95 times or something close to that. And, and David Carr's record's mid-70s. So he's, he's on pace to like shatter the single-season sacks record by like 20 sacks taken which doesn't seem sustainable uh, to me. Um, and the Eagles, if we know anything, the Eagles can kind of get after it a little bit. So I don't know. That line seems weird to me. I'm sure it'll blow up in my face because it always seems to in this matchup. For whatever reason, the commanders play the Eagles closer than any good te- other good team. But I'm still riding with the Eagles. I think there'll be a, still a ton of Eagles fans, even with the new ownership. 
uh, in in great land over Maryland uh, this weekend. And then the other pick, I was wrong on the Packers. They're not a good team. Um, and the Vikings are two-and-a-half-point underdogs at Green Bay. Now, the Vikings aren't also a good team, but they're missing Justin Jefferson. But if I'm just saying it's Kirk Cousins versus Jordan Love, I'd rather have Kirk Cousins. And so I'm taking the Vikings as underdogs on the road in Green Bay. They kind of always play the Packers close the last several years with Aaron Rodgers there uh, and beat them sometimes, <laughs> including in Green Bay. So I'm going with the Vikings. Um, you know, maybe it blows up in my face. And uh, another one, uh, I believe the Vikings play tonight, right, as we record. So... Uh, perhaps they're also even more adrift, but it, 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 I just, you know, the Packers don't score 20 points against a Broncos team that was putting up like a historically bad worst we've ever seen kind of defense through the first several weeks. Uh, and you lose there and you don't score 20 points. I just don't know how you're favored next week is kind of what it comes down to. So that's my final pick is just, uh, Vikings, uh, as underdogs two plus two and a half at the Packers. I like it. Any final words, fellas, before we close up here? Uh, no, nah, just uh, happy to talk about a win that was satisfying. I feel like we haven't done that. Uh, Antonio, you and I, I believe, uh, talked about that Bengals win earlier in the year. That was fun. Uh, and then it's been mostly not fun since. So it was a fun week, and I uh, enjoyed talking about it this It hasn't one been with you fun all. for like two years. <laughs> Yeah, the the fun's been few and far between. So I, I I did enjoy this week watching it. It was low stress. It was enjoyable. It's fun to watch your team play well on <laughs> things they don't do often enough. Uh, and yeah, keep it going because the last thing I want is another sad pod like a raven next week after an either too close win or an outright loss against the Cardinals. The Ravens five and two coming off of one of their most satisfying wins in recent memory. Lamar Jackson won his 50th game this past Sunday. He's now 50 and 18 career as a starter. <laughs> That's crazy. Long may all of these good trends continue, especially next week in Arizona. For Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you for listening to us here on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.